We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the KCSN Draft Show. He's my favorite player in the draft. This dude right here, he's going to be one of those guys that I stand on the table If for. I could, I would trade up for this guy. This guy has a beat on an early My Guy stamp. A very merry draftness to all of you. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the KCSN Draft Show. Really excited to be back. I've been out all week. Uh, I'm excited to get back talking with my buddy, Maddie. Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. I actually can get the underscore in your name added. Uh, I've gotten good with it. Craig, uh, on the other hand, this week, I listened. I listened to y'all this week. Clearly only once, though, because he nailed it on the second time through. So uh, I, I don't know. And he he was coming for your job on, I mean, on the second lab this week. He, yeah. He was great. It was weird listening back because there was like, I, maybe it's just because I'm so used to listening to you guys or I'm so used to doing this show with you guys. There were just like so many moments where my brain was like in working on where I would interject <laughs> and like maybe throw some 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 caveat in there or follow up with some stuff. Like my mind was just like I was still on the show almost for parts you- of it. When you listen to Craig and I go, do you have to listen at two times speed so the podcast ends at a time that you're comfortable with? I'll be honest with you. I was like, <laughs> I was captivated. You kept my attention for the entirety of the show, uh, which is like, I made credit to you guys. I just wish you would, you know, wrap it up quicker when I'm when I'm on the show. I'm this is the, this is gonna be a clean twenty minute podcast with me and Maddie. Um, really looking forward to it. But no, I missed. I really did. I missed. Uh, I missed being on the show, and I really liked listening to you guys talk. And it made me think, and made me ask questions in my head where I would have jumped in. So, yeah, you just, uh, you guys did great. Uh, we're gonna preview running backs and safeties. We've been continuing to do positions uh, on this draft show, kind of leading up to the draft. It is the running backs turn, and I will start off with this question for you before we get into any names whatsoever, Maddie. What's the earliest pick you would t- take a running back if you were the GM of the Kansas City Chiefs? Never. Um, 
I think the signing of Ronald Jones, while I don't think he moves the needle, gives you enough bodies when you add him to Clyde Zilaire, bring in Derek Gore back. There's still the outside opportunity for somebody like Jarek McKinnon to come back to to add a little bit more speed. I think you have a, a full enough stable at adding another guy with any kind of investment outside of one of those 800 round seven picks just doesn't make sense this year. Um, moving forward though, I, I mean, I get the, I get what we all thought the case was trying to go with Clyde Zulaire. The chiefs weren't a running back. They could do everything. That's where they took one in round one. They thought that was going to be Clyde. That hasn't been the case. It's kind of a big swing and a miss to get that complete all around running back. So if you want to say two years from now, when you maybe don't have so much investment in the position coming in right away, uh, then maybe we can talk about like, you know, top 50 ish, but right now for this team, nah, I mean, round seven at the most. Yeah. I mean, if they have 12 picks and a lot of draft capital to burn, like, I mean, you know, I could see, you know, I could see a round seven flyer down there with some of these guys, especially from a special teams perspective. <laughs> There's probably some guys that, um, you know, that, that probably, you know, could fill in, you know, as a late day three type flyer and have some special teams value. But interestingly enough, Todd McShay, I believe it was in his recent two round mock draft, had the Chiefs taking Iowa State running back Brees Hall with the 50th pick. And that was stunning for as many issues and needs as this team has. A very good running back in Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I believe he was RB2 in the KCSN draft guide, which, by the way, you can uh, purchase that with the. Uh, link that is in the description of this podcast so um yeah and it's it launched on wednesday it's uh maybe i should have led with that i don't know it's a big day and i haven't had a chance to talk about that on air since but uh Brees hall was like we can talk about him he's one of the top running backs in this class well i, I want to say too todd's not the todd mcshay's not the only national media big name media person that's had a, a running back going to the chiefs relatively early um chad ruder um, of NFL.com, he hasn't taken Tyler Goodson out of Iowa in round three or four. So, like, with a still, I mean, a pick that relatively mattered. Some I've seen Kenneth Walker mocked them recently. I forget where that one came from, but like, there's been a few mocks popping up here this past week with Chiefs getting running backs in the top and you know, on day two. And that's kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. Uh, yeah, and you hate when that happens because the last time there was a lot of heat for the running back position in multiple places. The Chiefs went with a running back at pick thirty, uh, pick thirty-two. So the only first-round pick of Brett Veach's career. Um, so I don't love the idea of that, but there's some there's some quality running backs. I don't know if I value them the same way I valued a guy like Clyde Edwards-Helaire a few years ago, which tells you some things. But maybe I should with Bri with Brees Hall. Like I think Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall. I think if you're asking me, that's the clear-cut like first tier of running backs in this class. Uh, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State, Brees Hall running back out of Iowa State. I think that's like your 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 tier one, Maddie. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I initially had uh, Isaiah Spiller kind of graded up there with those guys based on film because I thought he did some really, really nice stuff. Like I liked how complete his game was kind of comparatively across the board with those guys. But his athletic testing was, I mean, a significant step back from Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. So like that drops him down below those guys a little bit. So it's a clear one, two at the top. Brees Hall's harder for me. I, I don't see his athleticism that he tested with show up on tape. I don't see it at all on tape. I do not think that he plays overly explosive, fast, agile. Like, he's good. He's a very good all-around running back. I just don't see those athletic traits pop. 
they do for Kenneth Walker. If I could be convinced Kenneth Walker can catch the ball and Kenneth Walker can pass protect a little bit better than he's kind of showcased, then he's easily a, my top running back. I don't think it's particularly close. It's just, I have some questions there, but yeah, Brees Hall's just not for me. And I know you like him a little bit more than I do. I mean, it's the running back position. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but like, what what for you separates or like what do you see as the big difference between those two? I think you have Brees Hall graded a little bit higher. So what do you see as the difference between those two? Well, I just I I think there is a a, a better chance for Brees Hall to be a more active participant in the passing game than what Kenneth Walker is showing. And like I think Brees Hall showed a little bit more confidence catching the football than Kenneth Walker did. I think Kenneth Walker is the best pure runner in this class. I don't really think there's anything to argue. I just think there's a little bit more about his game that left something to be desired in the passing game. And I'm not saying Brees Hall's the perfect uh, receiving option either necessarily, but I like Brees Hall's chops a little bit more as a pass protector. I like his um, his upside, his ceiling, his ability as a um, pass catcher. And I think that's one of the things that really separated. But like th- that being said, like, these guys are very close uh, for me uh, in my primary grades. I had them split by less than a full point on a hundred point scale. So I mean, I like both of these players. And then, like, I think Brees Hall's athletic profile really, really shined, too. And I think that's something you've got to really, you know, take note of. Because I remember at one point, I I comped him to David Montgomery. And Maddie comped him to a less athletic David Montgomery. But he's a better athlete than David Montgomery. And, like, I think, and you saw, you kind of saw, you know, Montgomery, David Montgomery had had a really strong season this year for the Bears. And um, I think you saw him and his ability both as a runner and a passer, pass catcher, you know, not a passer, uh, runner and a pass catcher. I think that that kind of ability is there for Brees Hall, but I think the athletic profile really, you know, perks your ears up too. And I think you gotta, you gotta, you gotta at least take that into consideration. And maybe some of the stuff you maybe thought, like I think sometimes you think burst, a lack of burst, maybe like a guy being smooth, maybe, maybe because he's so smooth he doesn't get credit for his athleticism. And like, I think that happens sometimes too. And I think that might've been the case a little bit with Brees Hall as well. It, it's entirely possible. Um, I've gone back and watched a little bit of him since the combine, since, you know, he put up these great numbers and I've watched everyone's clips they put up there. I still don't see it. I just don't see, I don't see him play that athleticism, but I mean, it's there. It's out there. The, the objective numbers are there. I just don't see it as much on the field. I will say this. He surprised me with how good of a receiver he could be. So if that's something that matters and you are trying to decide between Walker or even Spiller before athletic testing and I had him up there and Hall, like Hall gets a severe, a big edge just on his ability to be a receiver and win more than just in the flats as a check down guy that way. Um, so let's, let's get, let's get past this, these top you know, couple guys here. Let's take a look at just this next group. We're going to call it, you know, uh, the, the rest of day two, maybe even like early round four, but like, who's one of your favorite guys that you would get after that, those first two guys before you get too deep on the day three of the draft? Well, it's kind of dependent on what you're looking for in this running back room, because like, I think even like, even taking some special team stuff into consideration, like I think could go a long way here. Like there's a mixed bag, kind of like how the receivers, like it's kind of like a pick your flavor. I think there's a cluster of guys that all have different skill sets that can be really intriguing. I, one guy I'll talk about um, is I'll let you talk about James Cook. Uh, I'm going to go like one, one guy, uh, Tyler Beatty out of missouri like he's a he's one of those guys i really enjoyed watching him play and it's funny like maddie your grades like a a significantly higher than mine i don't have athletic testing in there i don't know if you do i think Um, i did i think i I don't 
yeah, I don't have it in there, and I think it probably got it probably lowers his grade a little bit because I don't think he tested as well as I anticipated him doing. Yeah, you thought he was going to be a little bit, but like you know, I he's just a fun like he's an electric runner. He's a smooth, slippery runner. He's light on his feet, some good jump cuts, some good vision, some ability to make guys miss uh, in space. He think, I think he's one of the best space backs. Like a guy that when he's out in space, I think he's one of the better ones in this class. Um, and I think you know, there's there's some promise as a pass catcher as well. I think you saw some of his ability. Uh, a little bit more um, as uh, you know, as a true route runner. Like I know, he, I think he got some decent amount of targets and stuff. But like getting to show his ability as a as a route runner, I think he did a little bit more of that at the at the Senior Bowl. Um, so I, he's a guy I've been a really kind of big fan of. I've really enjoyed watching him play. And then you, know, you talk to some of our Missouri guys, like our guy BK, talking about his you know his story a little bit, and a guy that you, you're going to root for. Uh, so Beatty's definitely up there for me. Yeah, and. I, I like I like Tyler Beatty. I think it, we talked about Brees Hall maybe being really smooth, and it kind of erases some of the some, how athletic he is. And I think th- that popped to me with Beatty a little bit more too. Is just he is a smoother mover, and so as fast as he is, he doesn't always look like he's super explosive because he's just gradually getting very quickly, but also just like smoothly accelerating into his top gear. He gets there quick, and then he's hard to catch. Like I like the way he moves as a running back as a running back. Um, I wish he was a little bit shiftier in the open field. So I think it's interesting that like, I am a product significantly higher than you a little bit, but by three points, once I look at or put athletic testing in there um, and I, I kind of questioned him out in space a little bit. I didn't think he was great at making guys miss in the open field. Like he was good at decreasing angles and making guys work hard to get to him, but I didn't think he did a very good job of making guys miss. And so I, I am a little surprised that I am so much higher on him. Um, Another guy that I, I think is in the same range that I'm a little bit higher on than uh, you. If I go back and look at the grades, Damian Pierce running back out of Florida, and he's gotten some major love since the combine. Um, there's some people, uh, Doug Farrar of you out of USA today has him as his running back one. What? And yeah. As his running back one. Okay. Um, Doug. Yeah. And so I, I like what I see out of him. Just, I, I like him because he's tough. He's going to pass protect like a demon and he's a good receiver. Like he does a lot of the stuff that you don't traditionally think that your running back has to do to be a good running back in the league. So like, I don't know how that translates to being a running back one, but he was still a guy that when I watched, I could see some explosion. I saw some lateral agility. Like I saw all the traits you want to see to work with, but I ended up, you know, again, about three points higher on him than you were. And I think that he's going to have a better NFL career than he did in college. Like if you were looking for that, bigger downhill guy that's never going to have to come off the field. Like he may not be your home run threat, but you never have to take him off the field because of what he can do on third down. I do think he gives you a little bit of that value here. That's probably going to be had in round three at some point in time. I think Pierce is a big projection as a pass catcher though, which is interesting. I mean, he only had nine catches his last year at Florida, um, but I do think uh, he's on like 19 some... snaps because they didn't he's... play him. It's a bad program. He showed <laughs> he showed some ability though. Like he has definitely shown some promise there in that area. It's it is a projection a little bit though. Um, I do like a lot about him. I'm, you know, he is the density, the power, the ability to run through contact. I think is there. Um, long speed's never going to be something. He's not a dynamic player as far as like. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's really going to be like a dynamic weapon as much as he's going to be a stable, uh, a stable staple in your pass catching, maybe a little bit of Daryl, the barrel Williams, as far as just like, I don't think you're going to get somebody that's going to be making a ton of people miss. He's going to be having a, he's going to show a dynamic route tree, but all the qualities that you like the pass protection 
you know, um, I think it has some promise, you know, the ability, the soft hands, natural hands to catch the football, I think is very real. It's just a matter of ceiling and upside. Like there's a definite role and a defined role. Um, but I think I, he's like a, he's like a fourth round grade for me. If I, I think if, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. And that sounds right. Um, so somebody else in this general range, uh, I think Brian Robinson jr. Um, out of Alabama, Similar prospect to some of these same guys to the guys we just talked about and Damian Pierce. I just remember watching him. It was, it was so good how smart he was. You can tell he's an incredibly smart player. The amount of times that I saw him actively slide out of the way of an offensive tackle, but then work back around them to go pick up a blitzer, to cross the formation, identify a blitz or a stunt and go pick it up in pass protection. There was a play. He was in pass pro. He picked up his guy. He looked back at the quarterback. Um, Bryce Young had to scramble to his right. Robinson got up, ran out of the backfield, across the formation, caught a pass. Like just, he does all these little things so incredibly well. I'd be surprised if he doesn't stick to a roster in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about a day two pick here, and uh, so like he should, but I think he's going to be better than his draft slot just because you can tell he's extremely well coached, and I don't know if anybody runs harder. Like That Georgia defense was full of I mean, freaks, utter freaks and aliens, and it still took multiple of them to bring him down every single time they came in contact with him. And it was never easy. It's like, I like Brian Robinson. I don't know if I would want to be the guy that drafts him as high as he's probably going to go. But I think, like I said, smart player, hardest runner in this class, most likely like what you, you can't really miss. It seems safe to go ahead and take him. There's, there's so much to like about him. And like, I think there's a lot of backs kind of like that too, in this class where it's like, you know, there, maybe there's nothing flashy. There's not a ton of dynamic receivers in this, in this draft class at the running back position, but there's a lot of guys that can fit really well as part of a committee. And I think Brian Robinson's another one of those guys that I don't think he's maybe your complete back, but he's to your point, like just a, a strong, sound, disciplined runner, pretty good vision gets what get what's there fights for those extra yards um there is chops and some some promise as a pass protection i think as pass protector i think he's got some tech work to to kind of get there to get to what his ceiling is but the ability and the and the willingness is there and so like there's some work to be done there but you know you're not talking about an overly explosive overly dynamic player but a problem a big physical problem for second and third level defenders that runs hard there's a lot to like there. Like his mentality too. Like I think that he's a guy that, you know, he didn't make a ton of excuses. He stuck to to Alabama. He stuck with Alabama because he wanted an opportunity to kind of be the bell cow uh, at for the Crimson Tide. And he got that opportunity his last year. Interestingly enough, he caught 35 passes his last year. And I don't really think like, I think there's more guys, there's better pass catchers and better guys with, with more pass catching ability that caught a lot less passes than that. So, um, but I, I do like him a lot. And uh, I, mean, I have a pretty, I have a pretty high grade on it if I remember correctly. I think I put like a, a near third round grade on. Him. I think I put a really high four on it. Maddie, even I think you put a low third on him. So I mean, we think pretty highly of him. I want to talk a little bit about day three. I mean, let's talk a little bit about some of these day three running backs because I do think this is kind of the area that the Chiefs will probably be playing in if they are going to look at some day three type running backs. Um, who off the top of your head, maybe a day three guy that you just you absolutely love. I think so, I know where you're going. You don't actually, because oh. this is this is an inter. This is running back 33 in the KCSN draft guide, and this is an entire shot kind of on one game. But Kevin Harris out of South Carolina, oh, he yeah. had it was either a hip or back surgery during the off season, and it kind of took him 
all year. He was playing her all year. South Carolina was really up and down throughout, you know, almost all of the season. But then they go into the bowl game. South Carolina is playing North Carolina. You get that that little bit of time off in between the regular season finale and your bowl game. And you could just tell once you turned it on that like, okay, wait a second. All of a sudden, this guy has a little bit more juice again. He looks like the kind of guy that you saw in 2020, you know, the year before. And so he comes out against North Carolina, 182 yards. He has a touchdown, averages almost six yards a carry as South Carolina upsets North Carolina. But that guy that I saw there was a hard, hard, hard pass for a draftable grade. It's just when you watch the rest of this film in 2021 as he's battling through the injury, he's not very explosive. He looks kind of, he looks stiff and it's not good to have a stiff running back, but if his medicals check out, if he's recovered from that surgery this offseason and you want to grab him in round seven, you know, he's a six foot one, 220 pound back. You want to get him in the seventh round or as a priority undrafted free agent. I, I think there's a chance that he could hit into a lot better of a prospect than the uh, investment you're going to have to put in. Yeah, there's definitely like, I think that's definitely in his range of outcomes for sure. And, you know, I think medicals will obviously be a big piece for him. Um, in, in his, you know, his process, but you know, like there's definitely some ability there. If things check out, you're right. He might go a little bit higher than I kind of have him, but you're, yeah, I, he didn't do a ton for me. I, I didn't see an overly explosive, powerful player. And I do yeah, it's, a, it, it's one game. It's a, it's 100% a one game. And like, and I remember him from 2020, but like the whole concept of liking him was based on this literal one game. Yeah. So like that's why it's a shot in the dark. Yeah, I mean he's prime UDFA territory, I think for for me, and and uh, I, I think I gave him a late like a seventh round grade somewhere around there. Um, probably checks out as a as a UDFA type when it's all said and done with you know if he's not clean, he's got doesn't have a clean bill of health. I'm gonna talk. I want to talk about the Baylor running backs. Uh, I think they both go day three, but they're both interesting, especially for a team that's like the Chiefs that. You know, I think special teams is probably going to be something in consideration for these two, you know, for, for the Chiefs, if you're going to look at, at running backs uh, in late day three of the draft. And I think both of the Baylor running backs, I'll talk about them, Abram Smith and Treston Ebner, both have interesting, um, you know, interesting traits that could translate really well um, to, to special teams. One, because Treston Ebner is the Big 12 special teams player of the year twice. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, Dave Tove is probably licking his chops at the idea of having a, a high quality special teams player. Uh, Abram Smith has a linebacker background. And so he's another guy, like, I think there's some special teams ability there that you got to take into consideration with both of these guys. They're decent runners too. And, you know, they're, you know, they're physical, especially Abram Smith. He's a bigger dude. He's about 20, he's about 211 pounds. He's a little bit bigger than, uh, then Ebner, I think Ebner checked in about six, seven, eight pounds lighter. But both of those guys um, intrigued me. I don't know if you had a chance to watch a ton of either of those Baylor backs, but I like both of them, Maddie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Yeah, I didn't grade. I didn't get a chance to grade any of them, but I watched enough Baylor, enough guys play against Baylor. Um, didn't see as much from Ebner that caught my eye, but Abram Smith runs really hard. Like, you you know when you're trying to tackle him. He runs so, like a linebacker. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, there's clear gaps in his game. Like, I don't think he has the best vision. I don't know what you're getting an athletic profile, but he runs hard. He's going he's gonna to fight for everything that, you know, he's out there to get. So, like, I don't have, you know, a lot of takes on them. I do know that Ebner is very respected for his special teams play, though. So, like, that is worth keeping in mind. Abram Smith, you know, we've talked – I've talked to Cutton now about, what, three or four different big-body powerful runners – you miss out on some and you want to get Abram Smith in day three. It makes a lot of sense. I got two more guys I want to talk about on day three and they can Go be for pretty it. quick. They can be quick. The running back that has the widest gap in our grading system right now, Keontae Ingram out of USC. Um, and it's funny because I mostly think I like him for one specific reason and that he runs that Chiefs like same side inside zone out of shotgun and he runs it incredibly well. And it's like that weird way that you wind back across the formation off the handoff and he runs it so well. But I I think he has good vision. He's a 220-pound back. Yeah, he was six foot, 221 pounds that ran a four, five, three vertical jump, 34 inches, broad jump of 122. Like he's a quality athlete at 221 pounds for running back. And I think he's shown enough ability to see the field, to make some hard cuts. Like I don't think he's special, but I think he can play kind of in the NFL, like I think he has enough baseline traits to play. And then at that size and athleticism, I think there might be something you can get out of him going forward. I didn't buy, a, I, didn't, I don't think when I watched, I saw exactly the same thing that you do, which I think was probably reflects a little bit on our gap. You know, like I know a lot of people got really excited about him as a receiver at the Shrine Bowl and like some of the stuff he was doing to actually create separation. I wasn't overly impressed with because taking like 85 steps and like, I don't think he was actually separating all that much. I think he was just going against bad linebackers. So like some people were really encouraged by him as a receiver. I didn't really see a ton of that. Um, some people, I, I don't think I didn't love his vision as much when I watched him. Um, but I mean, Again, I mean, it's not like we're drastically different. Like you see him as like a fifth round grade and I see him as more like a sixth, seventh round type. But yeah, the physical profile is very intriguing. Um, and, you know, you hope that maybe that maybe those pass catcher traits are a little bit better 
his, you know, his route running might be a little bit better than I give it credit for, but I also just saw some flaws to the process of how he's actually separating. Who I thought really wasn't as much about his route running. Um, he's an interesting guy that you said that like, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think his receiving traits pop, but I mean, he's had 89 catches over, you know, roughly three years, three full years of college balls. Like he's been a productive receiver at Texas and then USC It's like, he, he's got at least good hands. I'm, it seems like it's a lot of check down stuff, but it's, you know, there's something there to it. Uh, if you've got another guy, you can't, I just got one guy I want to close running backs on. No, go for it. What do you do? With a five foot nine, 194 pound back that runs a four six five. Ugh. So I, that's Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. I know. He was a lot of people's running back one. He was like everyone's fan favorite running back coming into this year. And he still does so much fun stuff. I have seen Tyler Linderbaum get trucked by Leo Chanel when Leo Chanel has less momentum behind him than what he did when he ran to Kyron Williams and Kyron Williams won. The point of contact versus Leo Chanel won it. He he put him in down in the ground. I've seen Chanel run over offensive linemen, but it's a hundred and ninety four pound running back that ran a four six five. Just like what do you do with that? I really the tape the tape says he's better than the athletic profile, and some of the reasons you like him is his you know he's a well rounded he's like a well rounded player. I don't know what to do with him. I somewhat I I, I he's like RB six I think in the guide and. There's just like his tape's good. It's just like he, his athleticism might be a deal breaker for him getting a significant run. Like we have him graded higher than Brian Robinson. And it's just, it's hard to, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. I don't, I think he winds up falling in day three. And it's more than the 40 time. His RAS total score is 1.75. And he had a 32 inch vertical, uh, under 10 foot broad jump. His 10 yard split was 163. It's just like the entire athletic profile is not good. But then you flip on the tape, and I think you see he's not the fastest or most explosive, but you don't think it's a huge deal breaker. Like it's, it doesn't look this bad. And then you watch him pass protect or catch the football and you completely forget that the athletic profile isn't that great. Right. But then you go back and you plug in the numbers to put him in the draft guide or you plug in the numbers to put him in, you know, you're on your team's board and you're like, oh my God, it's a 190 pound running back that runs a four, six, five. Well, it's yeah. And it's like, you know, athleticism, like there's like outliers, like you're looking at his athletic profile and you're saying, okay, look you know, he might be an outlier, but teams don't like dealing with outliers. Like he's an out, his athleticism doesn't really, you know, make you think that, you know, you should have a ton of confidence in his ability to project. Like there's a minimum threshold. And if you don't reach those or meet those, you're, you're dealing with exceptions and teams don't like dealing with exceptions. And like, that's, that's going to be interesting for his draft stock. He's probably higher in our guide than where he's eventually going to go. But I just really like the tape. Um, some teams just don't, some teams just, you know, it's kind of like there's there's certain thresholds, and if you don't meet them, you're not on the board. And honestly, statistically, that plays out a lot of times too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see his his draft process is going to be one of the more fascinating ones for me personally. Let's talk about some safeties, Maddie. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same exact question that I just asked you in uh, about the running back position, and I think there's. Uh, well, I'll just see where you go with this. What's the earliest that you think, if you were the Chiefs GM, that you would take safety? 30. Why not 29? Um, Because I'm taking somebody else at 29 and not 30. Uh, I mean, it doesn't, you know. Yeah, first round. Um, 
I, it's definitely not at the top of my board. I don't think that, I don't think that the a safety will be my best player available at a position of need. Once you weight the positions you need and the players, I don't think they will likely be the best. But if it's a nightmare draft scenario for the Chiefs in which six receivers go off the board early and the two or three that are left that everybody likes aren't the fit that they like, the Chiefs don't like the fit, and you get six defensive ends off the board and you don't feel great about Ojabo and the first round coming off the Achilles injury, and also somehow, you know, whatever other wild card guy you might like, defensive tackle, corner, whoever's off the board. If it's just really bad, you have have to take Lewis Seen or Daxton Hill at pick twenty nine or thirty. I'm okay with it. Like I'm, a, I, you know, I'm not upset. Am I a little more upset if you pass on a George Pickens or if you pass even on a George Karloftis for one of those guys for them? Yeah, probably. But if you know all the guys are gone that we all routinely mock to the Chiefs at the end of round one, and they come away with one of those two safeties, I don't know. I, I'm not upset. Yeah, I, I. There's a couple of safeties like, yeah, if like Lewis Cena, Daxton Hills, the pick in the first round, Lewis Cena out of Georgia, Daxton Hill out of Michigan. I'm not disappointed. Um, and I know like, I, I know like, okay, so like Daxton Hill can play in the slot a little bit. Um, so like, you know, you might be able to, I mean, that might help your cornerback position. Maybe Legere Steen plays a little bit more full-time outside or something like that. But um, I, <laughs> It's it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to gauge because like you're you're not sure what the value of the board is, but like at the same time, like I understand what you're saying with all this stuff, but I'm not mad at either of those two football players being on my team because I think they're both really good players. I think they're both guys that can be like high quality leadership type guys in the back end of a secondary. And so um man, I I, I wouldn't be mad. I mean, like Lewis seen some of the more fun tape you're gonna watch. Like and we did that film room a month or so ago and it was a really a lot of fun to watch. Daxton Hill, a little bit different type of player. But like I think you could I think you could explain adding these guys extremely early very easily, I guess is my thing, even with some of these other needs. Like I I don't know, I would be less upset than I think than you would be. Um I'm only upset if they're passing on guys that I have that I think play a more important position for what the Chiefs need that are rated, you know, relatively the same. Um, like, spoiler, Lewis Seen's probably going to have a higher grade from me over anybody the Chiefs have available. But once you kind of factor in positional value and then what the Chiefs need, there's probably going to be a handful of receivers or defensive ends that are about the same as him. I think I would lean towards one of those other positions over Seen, even though I love him as a player. But I wouldn't be mad it's just I would prefer to go the Pickens or Carl Loftus route. Um, here's my question for you. First round of this NFL draft, over under 2.5 safeties in the first round. Woo! I think there's three that are worth it. So it's tricky, man. Um, I think I'll take the over. I think, all three. I think Kyle Hamilton, Lewisine, and Daxton Hill all slip into the first round. And... I mean, I think they're all warranted. I, I, I can, I can look at the the top three hundred later, but like, I think all three of those guys definitely warrant consideration there. And yeah, I mean, we have, I think we actually have four safeties in the top thirty one. So I mean, it's going to be tight, but I think I would go with the other. I think Daxton Hill's the guy that that sneaks in. I think Lewis Seen uh, and Kyle Hamilton are very obviously in the first round. I actually don't think I think Lewis Seen's gone before the Chiefs pick at twenty nine. 
I don't I don't think it's entirely impossible that he is. Um yeah, I, I think that's the perfect number because I, I think one of those line. two, one of those two is gonna go in the first round for sure. Um, it all depends on which team is the one that takes the swing. You know, is it a team that's going to want a, a more traditional safety, a guy that I think is going to be set to be that leader of your defense, you know, quote unquote, um, play a more traditional safety role than you're going with Lewisine. If you want the guy that's going to come in and play a little bit in the nickel, you might value Daxon Hillmore. Um, yeah, we have four safeties in the top 31. And then, so the other guys, we'll just do Jalen Petrie real quick. Um, he's, he he's similar to Daxton Hill, but but different. Um, <laughs> he it's, can play. Yeah, he can play in the slot because that's how Baylor used them. But you're not necessarily going to want him man covering all the time. The quickest receivers, but then he's physical enough to play against some bigger receivers. It, he's a very weird guy to to put into words. Let's, but then when you watch him play, I think it's very simple on how you play him. Um, you just play him on defense, and it will work. You don't label him as a cornerback, though. Yeah, let's not do that. According to one that graded him, or that has him labeled as a corner, he's closer. He's closer to a linebacker than a safety or than a cornerback. I think. But yet he plays in man coverage. It, I, no, he's a very weird. confusing. He's a hard guy to put in words. But okay, here's it. If this is this is my Jalen Petrie take. If the Chiefs take him. I don't know if Spagnola would ever do this because Petrie is like 205 pounds, right? I think though, the way he plays, you can play him as your as your weak side linebacker in your 4-3 defense. And then when you go to nickel, guess what? You don't have to change anybody out. You're just in your nickel again already. Like he can be your base will. And then when you go to nickel, he just slides out to play you as your slot defender. If you have to go big because it's third and short, second and short, and you want to bring in a true linebacker, fine. But like you can play, you know, generally base personnel with him playing as a will linebacker, despite 205 pounds. He can then be your, you know, nickel corner in or your slot corner in the nickel. And maybe when you want to go five wide or go into your dime package, maybe he's not your primary slot corner because you don't want to put him on the Tyree kills of the world. But you can still find like I just you can find a way to move him around everywhere. I don't think he ever really has to leave the field. But it is so hard to label him in a conversation besides just saying play defense. I don't hate that idea. I don't think Steve Spagnola will like that idea. But I do not hate that. I actually think that's a pretty smart. I think that actually plays his, his skill set pretty well. I know he's. He's tied very close to uh, Daxton Hill's grade for us in the KCSN draft guide. Um, but yeah, I, they are different players uh, for sure. I don't think he goes around one. I think he winds up in day two. Good football player. That is, I, that's extreme. I'm very fascinated by that, Matthew. I don't think it's going to happen though. And that's a little, no, bit it won't be here. It'll, he's going to go do it in San Francisco. The 49ers are going to draft him. He's going to play next to Fred Warner in base, but then also be their nickel corner. And it's going to be amazing. And I'll be upset. And it's because the chiefs don't rotate their linebackers. So if you put a tight end to his side, you have a 200 pound guy taking on a tight end. Like I, I get why it won't work in Kansas city with Steve Spagnuolo, but like, it's also so clear to me how you use him in the modern football world. Um, we have to move on before I get mad. Day two safeties. Anybody you like there? Anybody that jumps out to you as a guy you like on day two? Uh, Nick Cross's athletic profile is very intriguing, and he's a bat out of hell running. Uh, he's a really fun, explosive, exciting player. Um, 
I really like him downhill. So like he's an intriguing athletic profile, physicality, willingness to tackle, all that kind of good stuff. I really like him. Um, I, just so you know, and we, we're looking at this and we probably will address this as well. Technically, Jaquan Brisker right now is like safety 10. We had a eight. Yeah, he's a safety eight right now. You can talk about him and and let people know that he's actually safety five in the KC draft, KCSN draft guide, or or will be safety five with the with the new update. There was a formula problem with him that bumped him all the way down there. Yeah, so Jaquan Brisker has a lot of fans, and I get it. I get why people like him. We probably aren't as high on him. Like I think there's a very clear gap between those these first four guys we've talked about and Brisker but I also think Brisker's definitely on an island behind himself right after those guys. And that's where he is for us. So like, you know, I'm looking at the numbers between the first four safeties are all separate. Well, okay. Kyle Hamilton's by himself. The next three guys are all separated by like two points. And then Brisker's about two points below that. And then the next guy after that's three, three ish points behind him. So like, that's where the general, the gaps are looking at. So Brisker's by himself on an island. He is safety five physical, smart leader, I just question his ability to play in coverage. I don't think he's a man coverage guy. I think he gets a little lost if you put him back kind of in single high. So he's like he's like the discount version of Lewis Seam to me. Um, not quite as fun. He was dealing with a shoulder injury this past year. So if you watch his 21, 2021 tape and see missed tackles, that's not normal for him. I'm pretty sure he was playing in like a, a shoulder strap thing all year from a pec injury or a shoulder injury. A uh, good player, just I think he's solid. He's a solid safety that if you draft him in day two, your team is happy. You're just, I don't see a push for him in round one. So he's safety five. Then we just have a, a host of guys and it's a good safety class, but I don't know if anybody else necessarily jumps off the screen to me as a guy that I have to have on day two. Nick Cross is the one that I'm intrigued by, but I don't know if I feel a need to have any of these other guys. I agree. I think that's a good way of kind of explaining it. Um, there's quality football players. There's not any guys I'm overly excited. Like I'm just like hammering the table for. If I set the over under at eight and a half safeties going in the first two days of the draft, what's what are you what are you what are you taking over under so now i now i gotta start looking at this and doing some math um kyle hamilton lewis seen jackson hill jalen petrie Verone mckinley kirby joseph nick cross jaquan brisker are actually our top eight and, and brisker's number five okay so we're kind of looking so with the five guys we've actually talked about Verone mckinley out of oregon kirby joseph out of illinois and then Nick Cross, who you mentioned out of Maryland. And then we're looking for anybody else to slide in at safety after that. You know, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna take the under. I'm going to stick it. It's eight. Um, safety is a weird position. It is kind of hard, I think, to say, like, it, it's so scheme specific. So if you're at the end of day two and a team's like, oh, my God, I love Yusuf Corker's ability to come down and play as a pseudo linebacker. Or I love Tyson Anderson's ability to play as a post safety and show some range. I get it. But I'm going to just stick with the eight in the first two days for now. Okay. All right. Let's talk about a little bit of day three. Is there any guys on day three that you're overly excited about um, that you could see the Chiefs maybe investing in or maybe even not just guys you're excited about? Uh, Brian Cook out of Cincinnati is a guy I like, not only because I, I love Cincinnati's defense, but you watch him play and it, it's the same. It's He's almost the same sales pitch that I put out for Brisker and that I think there's some coverage issues. Like I do think that there's some range issues. You don't want him in man-to-man coverage in a bunch of open space. He doesn't look the most athletic, but man, I don't know if there's a better run defending safety than Brian Cook. Lewis seems the best hitter. Him and Yusuf, Yusuf Corker are the biggest hitters, but the best run defender, Brian Cook from the box, 
from the slot, playing deep, running the alley, he doesn't miss tackles. He breaks down. He wraps guys up. So like his ability to just be a run defender as a safety and then be a adequate coverage guy when you kind of limit what he has to do to being a rotational third safety type role, it's pretty good. It's like, I like Brian Cook as a value safety on day four where you draft him. And then like four years from now, you're actually making the case that your team needs to resign him because he's really good. Sound, smart. You know, yeah, I, I think he's like he's a quality rotational piece. Um, good football IQ, not like the greatest athlete. I don't think you know. There's not like there's there's nothing super dynamic about him, but like a, just a really solid football player. I like that idea a lot. Um, let me think here. Uh, I think you were a pretty big fan of Marquise Bell. Uh, was that right? He was at Florida. What was this? Was it Florida Tech? For who? Marquise Bell's Florida A and M. Florida a and You liked him a little bit too, didn't you? Yeah, he's he's like Nick Cross. Uh, he's a super athlete. I mean, just freak super athlete. And that's, you know, about, about the end of your writing, his scouting report of what he's good at. That's all you need to end with. You say he's a super freak athlete. And then in your weaknesses, you say, have to teach him to safety. And then you take that guy on day three and see if it works out. Worst case scenario, you have a special teams demon because he can run down the field and hit people. And if it, you know, works out, you now have a freak playing safety. So like I get the appeal of him, but it's just he's so raw. All right. So give me another day say a day three safety that you're a fan of. Oh man. See, now this is my this is my qualm with this draft. A lot of people talk about how it's deep, but I think it I do think it kind of flattens out at all these positions. I don't know if there's another day three safety that I love. I've mentioned Yusuf Corker out of Kentucky a few times. So I like him as another box guy. He can come in, you know, come down, play in the box, hit guys. He, he'll light some guys up. Um, but I don't know if I have another guy. I've heard Colby Harville appeal out of Oklahoma State. Similar concept. Again, a bigger safety. I've heard he might be trying to transition to linebacker, actually. Like, that's not me. He, he might be trying to fully transition to linebacker. It kind of shows you what his general thought of around the league and where he knows he's going to succeed are. But I think um, after you get out of day two, I don't know. I'm a little ho-hum on the rest of the safeties. I know some people like Wanye Thomas a lot as a potential linebacker convert as well. I think we got to see him a little bit at the East-West Shrine Bowl, um, if I remember. And, I mean, he's kind of an interesting projection. I don't know if he's a guy that – I mean, some people think he is going to make a full-time transition to linebacker. That is going to be a fascinating one for him. Um, but, I mean, big measurables and physical. I mean, there there are some stuff there. Um, all right. Anything else, Maddie, before we get out of here? I, I think we're good. I think that's, that's a pretty comprehensive coverage of the, uh, of the safeties and of the running backs, um, this year. Uh, okay. Here it is. No, I got one final thing. Which player that we just talked about. So which running back or safety did you just have the most fun watching? And you can't say Lewis scene. Does it have to be the guys that we talked about or no, can it be James? Any- Cook? It could be James Cook. There you go. I just I think James, Cook, James Cook. I had a lot of fun watching because, like, I think he's like one of the more unique, like, kind of gadget type running backs. I don't gadget's not the right word, but he's a guy that actually showed some very real pass catching chops, like ability to track the ball over his shoulder and like actually you know running a developed route tree. So like he's definitely one of the guys that I really enjoyed watching. Probably of all the running backs, my favorite outside of like, like Tyler Beatty was pretty fun too. Um, I'm going to go the different route. I'm going to go smoke Monday safety oh, no. out of Auburn because 
there's some good stuff. Um, he tries hard and he's a leader and he's smart, but there's also a lot of bad. And the bad is kind of funny because he's a little bit of a lumbering mover. It looks clunky at times and it makes it just kind of fun to watch with friends when a guy has a name like Smoke Monday. So you want to like him and it just doesn't click. So it was entertaining. Uh, it was not a good fun watch, but like he had some very hilarious bad and good plays. There's a little bit of both, but it was, I think everybody kind of enjoyed watching a guy named Smoke Monday and getting to make, you know, smoked jokes or he's playing like it's a Monday jokes. Mondays, am I right? You can guess who was making those. That's going to do it for the KCSN Draft Show. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check everything out going on uh, at KC Sports Network. There is a ton getting ready for Draftmas and more. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.